Hi everyone, I'm Tara Mont, and you're listening to the Trust and Thrive with Tara Mont podcast, where you can find a new episode released every Thrive Thursday. I am a current clinical psychology graduate student, passionate about all things to do with mental health, relationships, healing, self-reflection, and other topics that influence us in our everyday lives. I created this podcast to hopefully inspire others to live their most authentic life and to share insightful and honest conversations with everyday individuals and informed professionals. Although the show is not a replacement for therapy, I hope the conversations had can inspire you to look within, to practice self-compassion, to gain more awareness, and to trust the process of your unique journey. If you resonate with the message of Trust and Thrive, make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. You can also stay connected by following me on Instagram at Trust and Thrive. Thank you for being here. Now let's get right into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Trust and Thrive with me, Tara Mont. This week, in honor of Valentine's Day, I thought it would be fun to kind of do a little Valentine's Day special, basically a combination of clips from past episodes on relationships, sex, communication, self-love, intimacy, and put those in one episode for you. So before every clip from the episodes, I will mention the episode number, name, and the guest so that you can check out the full episode if you're interested and you haven't listened yet, or you just want to listen to it again. And then you can catch up on those episodes if you haven't already. I've definitely done a few good ones on relationships. And these episodes don't only have to do with romantic relationships and being with someone. A lot of them have to do with the importance of self-love and the relationship we have with ourselves. We also talk about sex. We talk about attachment styles, communication, owning your sexuality, being accountable in relationships, different types of relationships. And we also discuss I don't include too many clips to do with this, um, but a few of these episodes, the theme has to do with emotional abuse, manipulation, love bombing, noticing these unhealthy patterns. But the clips from those specific episodes have to do more with self-love and healing. So I hope you enjoy those. Um, It's interesting to hear how a lot of these episodes have changed, progressed. Just a reminder that a lot of these episodes are older and the information is still relevant, of course, but... Just a reminder that the show is continuously growing and that always working to make the show better. So, you know, at the end of the day, Valentine's Day was created to make money for businesses to make money. But I still obviously am passionate about relationships, self-love, the relationship I have with myself and overall recognizing our patterns our childhood wounds, and how that plays into our relationships. So that being said, I hope you enjoy this special. If you have any questions about what episode this is, I think I make it pretty clear, but if there's any clarification you need, feel free to reach out at Trust and Thrive on Instagram. You can find me there. I'd love to know what your favorite takeaways were, what you enjoy hearing, whether you are single, you're in a relationship, you're grieving, you're mourning a loss, a breakup, you're having fun being single, you're in a monogamous relationship or polyamorous relationship, whatever it is, I hope you take care of yourself and remember that the relationship you have with yourself is the most important one of all. So to start off, this first clip is from episode 41, Relationship Dynamics and Effective Communication with Elizabeth Earnshaw, who is a licensed marriage and couples therapist. And you can follow her on Instagram at LizListens. Hope you enjoy. 
say to people, I know me and my boyfriend, for example, we're both very independent in our thoughts and we feel strongly about what we value and what we think about. And, you know, obviously there's some balance and compromise, but when two people are really stubborn, how do you deal with that when two people are really stubborn? Yeah, which is totally common. And again, so my husband and I are that way too. (laughs) So the majority of our our problems and relationships are called perpetual problems. Two thirds of the problems that you will have with a partner are likely unsolvable. And what that means is that you're not going to agree. You're not going to come together on it and you're going to be different. And that's totally fine. What's really important in those moments is that you find ways to still create understanding, to still have compassion for the other person, to allow the other person to have their difference, to have their opinion. The only time that differences really become a problem is when you get into a power struggle and you believe that you have to make this person change, that you have to make them believe what you believe or do what you want them to do. Or they become a problem when you kind of refuse to extend curiosity and create understanding with them through listening. So you can have perpetual problems, you can have differences, you can be stubborn, but you do need to create a culture of respect where you're willing to understand where do these beliefs come from? Why do you think this stuff? I'm curious about you. I want to know about you. I think you're really interesting and smart and great. So if you think this thing, I trust that there's a reason for it. So you can have very different opinions and different desires and hobbies, but it's really important that you're showing interest in the other person and that you're respecting their difference. And so the more that you become aware of yourself, the more that you become aware of your emotional experiences and the reactions you have to those emotional experiences, the more consciously engaged you're going to be with your partner and the less reactivity you're going to have in that relationship. Most reactivity in relationships comes from some sort of unhealed wound. People aren't very reactive when they feel like they know themselves very well um, or when they've healed some of their trauma because they feel safe. We're reactive when we don't feel safe. And so the more you can work on healing yourself and grieving your losses and working through your disappointments, the less reactive you're going to be in a relationship because you're going to enter that relationship in a much more healed place. The next clip is from episode 49, Sex, Porn, and Relationships, with Dr. Jill McDevitt, who is a sexologist and sexual wellness coach. You can find her on Instagram at sexdocjill. Say, for example, long-term relationships, long-term couples, how do you keep that exciting? I think it's just like a huge question in general many people have, but what are some ways to keep it exciting in the bedroom for people who are married or have been in long-term relationships? This is great. This is a very common question. And I think the first piece is acknowledging that it's not necessarily always going to be like it was in the beginning. And that's okay. So a lot of times when people ask me the question, how to keep things exciting in a long-term relationship, they could mean one of two things. They could mean legitimately things are stale and we need some actual tips on how to spice it up. And the other half of people are normal. They're fine but they feel like there's a problem because it's not the same as it was when they were three months into the relationship. And we were not designed to stay at that manic 
level of infatuation. I mean, imagine what the world would be like if everybody was always like they are in the first three months relationship. No one would want to go to work. No one would, we'd have no doctors. We'd have no anybody doing anything. Everybody just be laying in bed, sexting, you know, whispering sweet nothings and having googly eyes and lovey-dovey. Like the world would stop. So it's a good thing that we aren't um, throwing caution to the wind and playing hooky to stay home and have sex with our lover, right? So it's not supposed to be like that. That said, also things getting stale is also true. Novelty is really important. It doesn't have to be as novel as people think. So people are like, oh, well, now we need to like get the leather boots and we need to be doing BDSM and swinging from the chandeliers because we need to spice it up. It's like, no. I mean, sure. Great. If you want to do that, then that's one fantastic way to go about it. But there was a there was kind of a cool study that looked at um, sexual satisfaction and the, the variable that changed people saying that they were satisfied in their sex life or not went from like 60% to like 85%. So a big gap. And the only thing that changed was they had sex outside their bedroom. So it's still the same partner, still the same position, still the same everything. Everything is exactly the same. But instead of their bed, they had sex on the couch or on the dining room floor or in the guest room. And suddenly that made that much of a difference. So think about what, you know, we could sit here and list all the different ways, you know, ways you could spice it up potentially can be different. The key is that you're intentional. The next clip is from episode 64, Codependency and Relationship Attachment Styles with Sharon Pekar, who is a psychotherapist and relationship coach. You can find her on Instagram at sitwithsharon. Now when it comes to secure attachment, is would you say that's a, like a healthier way to feel? I'm just curious. I don't really know too much on secure attachment. Yeah. So I would say that there are secure functioning behaviors that we can all learn. Um, and it, I was making this analogy, you know, in a session earlier with a client that was like the healthy relationship isn't the one that doesn't have conflict. It's the one where we're able to see each other and hear each other and collaborate to come up with a solution. So I don't feel resentment towards you. Um, and, you know, you don't feel like I'm withholding like from the other partner. So there's a, there's a collaborative element where both people are active participants, whether it's, I want to be curious about my partner's triggers or their feelings or their inner world. You know, I'm noticing the other person's, you know, overwhelm and I respect their space and I give them what they need. If it's time, if it's space to kind of just come to a place of safety, I ask them what they need. There's a very collaborative sense of, of problem solving when there is conflict. Mm -hmm. Every person has different needs mm -hmm. right knowing what yours are specifically knowing what is not negotiable for you in a relationship of yourself right so maybe it's for example i will not uh sleep over four nights in a row because i know what i need i need to get to work on time i know i need my belongings whatever that is it's knowing what is um, not going to work for you and knowing what version of you brings out the best in you, right? Like I know I need at least two yoga classes a week. And that's why I think the the C, the clarity and the four C's is so important because only I can really do that work and I'm responsible for doing that work. No one can tell me, right, what the best version of me, um, what that would look like and feel like until I'm able to define it for myself.
This next clip is from episode 68, Sexual Self-Awareness and Owning Your Sexuality, with Dr. Alexandra Sullivan, who is the author of Taking Sexy Back. You can follow her on Instagram at dr.alexandra.sullivan. So what I like to do is help individuals understand what romantic relationships stir up in them, because what happens when we fall in love is it's really easy, or even when we're dating, it's really easy to get focused on the other person. Like, especially when we think about sort of online dating, you know, we sit behind our phones and we swipe left and right, and we get very focused on the degree of interest we have in this other person. And that's all well and good, but the complicated piece is that when we are building a relationship, we've got to be aware and curious and compassionate with what gets stirred up in us because all of our patterns and messages we internalize as kids growing up, like all that stuff gets stirred in our romantic relationships. So that's really the heart of what I do. The idea here is that the more I can understand myself, the better positioned I will be to really know where my boundaries are, to advocate for what I want and need, to say no to what's not feeling great, and to really create wonderful sexual experiences. So sexual self-awareness is a curious, compassionate relationship we have with ourselves, understanding the messages we've been given, understanding the blocks that we have around sex, understanding where our shame lives, where does your shame live, and what does your shame tell you, and Um, how might you nourish a sense of wholeness instead? So that's what sexual self-awareness is. And that really like confronts this notion we have, I think that this romanticized idea that if you love somebody, the sex is going to be good, it's going to stay good, and it's not going to be work. And if the sex is challenging, in fact, it means the relationship is doomed. And that's not really true, Um, especially for sexually monogamous couples we really need to be committed to like cultivating sexual connection over time. The following clip is from episode 74, Accountability in Relationships and Working Through Childhood Messages, with Thomas Gagliano, who is the best-selling author of The Problem Was Me. You can follow him on Instagram at The Problem Was Me. And do you notice that with the people you work with that you always usually reflect back on their childhood and inner child, maybe the way they feel like they need to be treated is a way that their parents treated them? Or is that something you've noticed? Well, what I tell people is remember something. You're not just in a relationship with your partner. You're in a relationship with all your partner's childhood messages as well. Look, we learn our intimacy from only one set of parents or two or whatever you had as a kid. That's the version we learn. And not only do we see how our parents treat us, but we also, we're little market researchers as kids. And we look at how our parents are treating each other. How do they resolve conflict? How do they help each other get through the tough times? All of these things get ingrained in us and will show up in our adult relationships. So we have to be aware of the messages each partner receives So we understand that many times what we say is not what our partner hears. It's not. We're all filtered in different ways. So we have to be aware of our filters. And many times when I say to couples, repeat back what your partner says, the partner says, you didn't say that. (laughs) 
That's because we're all filtered in different ways through the messages we receive in childhood and the messages we see, we, we see our parents giving each other. I think we look for characteristics to fill the voids we didn't get in childhood. That's what I do. I think many people that didn't feel um, possibly that they were loved or nurtured enough, they might find somebody who's controlling in adulthood to give them that, that nurturing that they didn't get in childhood. So yes, we do look for characteristics in our adult life. And if you come from a dysfunctional childhood, you're going to look for characteristics that may not be healthy. That's why when I do podcasts and I talk or Instagrams and I talk about when you have a relationship that didn't work and you found the wrong partner, instead of jumping into another relationship, stop and reflect. Think about what do you want from your new partner? What characteristics did you look for that really weren't healthy, but were looking to fill wounds and voids in you from childhood? Because if we don't reflect and work on ourselves, as I said to you earlier on in our relationships, we're going to look for the same characteristics over and over again. And that definition of insanity, expecting different results. The following clip is from episode 84, Polyamory and Open Relationships with Kamala Devi McClure, who is the author of 52 Fridays. You can follow her on Instagram at Kamala Devi. What advice would you give to someone who is in a monogamous relationship and say one partner um, is really interested in trying the polyamory life, but the other person isn't? Uh, have you ever seen that dynamic? And what, how do you usually notice that works out? So I would say that's not only a common dynamic, but it's always true that one person in every relationship, whether you're monogamous or, or, you know, you have multiple relationships in every dyadic dynamic, one person is going to be more oriented towards security and safety and bonding. And, and the other person's going to be more oriented towards, towards freedom and adventure and, you know, variety, right? You know, Exploring our sexuality relates to all aspects of our lives. The more we understand ourselves sexually, the better we are maybe in our businesses and more we can set boundaries in other parts of our lives. So would you agree with that, that it connects to all aspects of our life? Absolutely. And I'm not by any stretch suggesting that people, you know, need to be sexologists or, or okay, now you need to come out as queer or poly or it's it's not that you have to make sex the center of your uh, focus. It's that that drives everything I do is to know who you are and be true to that. But you can't claim to know who you are if you're denying your sexual energy. That's the beeline to the truth of your essential nature, you know, to, to, to your soul, really. This next clip is from episode 93, Emotional Abuse and Narcissism in Romantic Relationships, with Dr. Annie Kazina, who is a narcissistic abuse coach. You can follow her on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Annie PhD. And so for anyone who is now out of a relationship like that, and they're trying to work on themselves and say they want to practice more self-love, I'm curious as to what you think self-love looks like. Yes, um, that's a great question, and it's one that I get asked a lot because, you know, people say, God, 
people who are coming out of these relationships know that there are two things they have to do. They've got to get boundaries and they've got to do self-love. And they go, yeah, I'm going to get more boundaries. I'm going to get self-love. And I say, do you know what a boundary looks like? And they go, uh, no. <laughs> and it, you're, it's kind of like asking someone to converse in a foreign language. So you have to start with the basic grammar, you know. Yeah, everybody goes on that self-love is the best thing since sliced bread and uh, fermented foods. But fermented foods are easy. You can go out and buy them. Self-love is much more complicated. So you want to start with the little building blocks, which I was talking about before, like starting to be kind to yourself, taking a little bit of time to get to know yourself. The following clip is from episode 94, Seduction and Intimacy, with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly and Marla Renee Stewart. They are both the authors of The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. You can follow Dr. Jessica O'Reilly at Sex with Dr. Jess, and you can follow Marla Renee Stewart at One Marla Stewart on Instagram. I'm glad you brought up couples you work with because it's so easy for one person to take it personally if their partner says, you know, I want this done or I want this to change. And I think a lot of people worry about hurting each other's feelings when it comes to expressing their needs um, sexually, especially. So what advice would you give to couples on, you know, wanting to be honest with their partners, but also not wanting to maybe make them feel inadequate? I would just say, know that it's hard to do, you know, like know that this it might be a bit, a bit of a struggle and that's perfectly okay. Um, be, uh, embrace the discomfort. Um, you know, when we're, when we're speaking, um, with our partners, it's best to uh, be uncomfortable because the, the, the discomfort is temporary, right? And you might be surprised by, you know, your lover, um, just embrace the discomfort, I think, is really, really key to trying to have those um, intense or invaluable conversations. That's a great point, because the discomfort is temporary, but resentment can last years and years and a lifetime. And um, so we often give in this three-part formula for talking about sex, but this applies to any difficult topics. And it, it's a three-part formula that is begin with the positive, make an offer and inquiry, and then make your request. I think many of us, when it comes to sex, when it comes to any high intensity issues or issues that we tend to avoid talking about, we wait until we're upset or frustrated to speak up about what we want. But imagine if we didn't wait till we were frustrated, we would stop complaining and we'd start requesting. So for example, let's say I just want my partner to kiss me more. Okay. Most of us wait until we're frustrated and we say things like, oh, you never kiss me, or we used to kiss so much, or, you know, I have to beg you to kiss me, or you don't like kissing me. But imagine if we approached it with the positive inquiry request model. So I might begin by saying, feels so good when you kiss me. It makes me feel so connected to you. Or it feels so good the way you kissed me last night because it just puts me right in the mood. So not only am I starting with a positive, but I'm highlighting a benefit to the partner. Then I can make an inquiry or 
you know, make an offer, you know, is there anything you want or how do you like to be kissed or how does it feel when I kiss you like this? So we're giving the partner the option to chime in and we're not making it a one directional um, demand where your partner might feel inadequate. And then I make my request. I might say, oh, I'd love if we'd spend Saturday mornings in bed just kissing for a few minutes. Or I'd love if, you know, when you walked in the door at the end of the day, you just hold me tight for an extra 10 seconds and put your lips on me. So again, we're starting with, it feels so good when you kiss me. How do you like to be kissed? And then moving on to, it would feel so good if you would do this specific thing for me. And that's a far cry from what most people how most people approach difficult topics. Again, it, it often lands in a complaint and, and it doesn't have to be this way. We can absolutely shift this, but we need to retrain ourselves and we need to get more comfortable with the topic overall. Part of why we treat sex so irrationally and part of why our communication is not as effective as it could be is that we're simply uncomfortable with the topic and we're uncomfortable with the topic because it's shrouded in shame and secrecy. But sex is something we all do or we all have done, almost all of us, and it's something that we should talk about and really need to work on our communication skills and practice talking about sex and know that it's okay if it goes badly. It's okay if it leads to tension. It's even okay if it results in an argument, if that argument is intended to improve understanding and develop connection. This last clip is from episode 99, Love Bombing and Emotional Manipulation with Dr. Natalie Jones, who is a licensed psychotherapist. You can follow Dr. Jones at Jones. Also, it can be so difficult when we see rom-coms and movies where, you know, they meet right away and then all of a sudden they're in love, or Romeo and Juliet, they will literally die for each other. And so it's, you know, you see these examples of like love addiction. And so what would you tell someone who is maybe, they're in a relationship and it feels good, but they're uncomfortable because it's not, you know, the same pace or what they're used to, but maybe it's a healthy dynamic. Would you say it's maybe normal to have those unfamiliar emotions and to feel safe in a different way? Yeah, it's definitely. I would say if you're in emotion, if you're in a relationship or even if you're on a first date, right, and the chemistry is not there, that passion or that excitement isn't there, this guy seems kind of boring or girl seems kind of boring or unattractive or whatever the case may be. If you don't see red flags like big warning signs, stick with it. Stick with it. If, if your biggest gripe is this person, eh, they're kind of boring. Just try to stick with it. But also don't just stick with it and focus on that person. Spread yourself around. Part of the reason we get ourselves caught up in these relationships too quickly, right, is because we're zeroing in on that one person um, that we're kind of, we want to make it work. We went out on a date with one person and maybe you're a serial monogamous, uh, but you know, I go out on this date. Okay. I want to continue dating this person. No date multiple people. So that, you know, even if this person doesn't show up as a red flag at the first date, maybe they will at the second date, maybe they will at the third date, but you also have alternatives very early on that you can fall back on so that you're not focused or putting all your eggs in one basket from the very outset, you are spreading yourself around, you have options. So when this person flakes out or when his crazy comes out, you have Tim, Johnny, Mo, and Mike over here that are still pretty cool. And then just kind of do that, I would say, for at least the first three to six months, 
Relationships take time. Genuine, true relationships. That doesn't, it means a friendship, romantic, interpersonal relationships. Those things take time. Um, so give yourself that time to, you know, adjust to those, learn about those people and learn about yourself. So I hope you enjoyed those clips. I hope you enjoyed kind of a takeaway from the past relationship episodes, fun little Valentine's Day episode. We will definitely be back with more guest episodes to come. We have one coming up on relationships and conflict and another one on self-love. So those are in store for the future. Um, Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss a new episode. And if you want to learn more about the guests from these episodes, I will include links and social media pages in the description of this episode. You can definitely make sure to go back and listen to them if you haven't already. Let me know which ones are your favorites. I know um, some of these episodes are a little darker. You know, we've touched on toxic relationships and abuse, and we've also touched on communication and healthy dynamics. So there's so much more to come. I could talk about relationships forever. I hope you have a lovely Valentine's week. Like I said, however you are celebrating with some friends alone, with a loved one, you know, with COVID, it's not the same. Like I would have loved to do a Galentine's date with my girlfriends, but that's not happening with everything. So no matter what, I hope you take care of yourself. Remember, you can still virtually meet up with people. And once again, the relationship you have with yourself is the most important one. So I hope you take care of yourself. You check in with yourself and remember that you are not alone. I know it can feel like it right now with everything going on and you may feel FOMO. You may see people post things, posts about Valentine's Day, whatever it is. And I love that stuff. Like I definitely do. But it's a reminder that whatever you see isn't everything. Like I may post a Valentine's Day post with my boyfriend, but we're not perfect. <laughs> we have our issues we are working through all the time. And so it's not just so simple to make that clear that people aren't thinking like, oh, relationship goals. I don't know. I just, that relationship goals thing is so old to me now because I think everyone's working through their own stuff. So remember, you're not alone. You're not behind either, whatever age you are. You're not a failure for being in a specific relationship or for being single or for ending things. Whatever it is, you are on your path and trust that your path is taking you where you need to be. And I know the more I've learned to trust myself, the more I've been able to be authentic and show up authentically in my relationships. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. As cheesy as it is, you don't need to buy yourself all this stuff, but you know what? Go for it. Buy yourself those chocolates, whatever you enjoy. I love to spoil myself as well, treat myself, even if I am in a relationship, because I know that I will forever be with myself, and that's the relationship I need to work on the most. And make sure to follow me at Trust and Thrive on Instagram. Let me know what you've been enjoying. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And I will catch you all next Thrive Thursday.